Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. to read our scripture this morning from the modern translation and be taken from the book of Matthew the sixth chapter begin with the 25th verse and Jesus is speaking and he is saying no one can be a slave to two masters he will hate one and love the other he be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is why I tell you, do not be worried about the food and drink you need to stay alive. Or buy clothes for your body. After all, isn't life worth more than food? And isn't the body worth more than clothes? Look at the birds flying around you. They do not plant seeds, gather a harvest, and put in barns. Your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than birds? Which one of you can live a few years more by worrying about it? And why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even Solomon, as rich as he was, had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass, grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, burned up in the oven. Will he not be all the more sure to clothe you? How little is your faith? So do not start worrying. Where will my food come from, or my drink, or my clothes? These are the things the heathen are always after. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. Instead, give first place to the kingdom and to what he requires, and he will provide you with all these other things. So do not worry about tomorrow. It will have enough worries of its own. There is no need to add to the trouble each day brings. Lord, help us this morning to understand that Jesus is talking about a very practical way for us to live today. I think there's two things that we as Methodists can't stand. And that is, we can't stand storms and we can't stand the little water. I guess that's the reason why so many are not here this morning. Well, thank the Lord some of us survived. <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning and next Sunday, if it be the good Lord's will, about almost one and the same thing. The only thing is that this, is, this morning we want to talk about the professional way to worry and that is when you project yourself into tomorrow or into the next moment. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the professional way to feel guilty. Now, that's, at the same, that's on the same stick, so to speak. The one is on one end, worry is on one end, and guilt is on the other end. But they stem both from the same thing. So, <clears throat> if you're going to worry, we might as well do it in a professional way. Not too long ago, I was having coffee with some teachers. Very fine people they are, very lovely people. And as I listened to them talk, uh, they were concerned that morning about uh, 
their professional situation. Uh, they were concerned about their professionalism and what is happening in the teaching profession today and how it seems to be to them, or to this group at least, that was began to be eroded and distorted and it was no more conducted in a way of professionalism. Well, I didn't know completely and totally what they were talking about, but I could appreciate something of their concern about uh, their situation. Now, we live in a day of professionalism. Everything that I read that comes across my desk or I read in a newspaper or anywhere else suggests to me that this technological society in which we live is going to increase and it's going to get more so. And that is going to mean that we're going to have to be more refined in the way that we go about our life because it's going to demand this of us. And so we can say even in our daily living we're going to have to be almost professional. I am thinking about a man some years ago that I knew very well, his family rather, I knew very well. And his wife took a job over here at the University of Louisville and a part-time job. And she decided after working there a while, part-time, well, I might as well pick up a few hours of uh, more college work. She had not graduated yet. In my spare time, I'll take a few courses. And so she started taking a few courses. Within a period of about four or five or six years, I've forgotten, uh, she received her master's degree. And now she said, she says, I am proficient and I am productive. I have received what need to receive in our society in order to get on with the business of living. Well, I guess that's the way to do it. If you're going to be around uh, the situation in your spare time, you don't have anything else to do and you want to worry, well, you might as well get a degree in it. You might as well become a professional at it. And I have a few things to suggest to you this morning. But let me say to you before I suggest, them, suggest to you how you might be a professional at this business of worrying, that I cannot think of anything in this world is more useless than worrying. When I think about worrying some, for some strange reason, but this has happened down through the years, it happened yesterday, I think about the man years ago, supposedly here within this city, I think it was in our paper, uh, that built a boat in his basement. And he built a boat so large that it wouldn't go through the door. And so he decided just to leave the boat in his basement. I cannot think of anything more useless than to have a big boat in your basement to go nowhere or not to do anything, anything with. In fact, beloved, when it comes to this business of worrying, it's, it's more than just being useless, you see, because it will drain away your power. It will rob you, your heart and your soul, of your peace and your joy and your living ability and capability. It will ravage this body of yours. It will lay bare and mutilate your soul. Now, you can count on that happening to you. And that's precisely what will happen to you if you're not careful. Now, no matter, we know what it will do to us and how it will destroy us and what it will do to us physically, but we insist on practicing it anyway. Well, if you're going to practice, you just be a professional at it. Uh, we're sort of like, uh, in a sense, the, uh, the, boy, the Boy Scout <clears throat> that was on an outing and the last day they were supposed to take a hike and he got up and fixed his breakfast and he looked the situation over what he had and he 
decided instead of carrying it with him on the outside, he'd carry it with him on the inside of his stomach. And after he got along the way a little while on the hike, he got sick. And the scoutmaster came back and inquired about the, his health and why he was sick. And he says, well, it must have been those eight eggs and half a pound of bacon I ate this morning. He said, well, why in the world did you do that? He said, well, I didn't think they'd keep. Well, we think some things won't keep, you know, in the future, and so we've got to take care of them today. Now, I have just three or four things to suggest to you this morning. Now, if you really want to be a warrior and be a pro at it, you've got to want to do it. You have to have a desire to do it. To really to be a good one, you've got to want to. Now, there's not a psychiatrist or a psychologist that will not tell you that even the ones of us who worry just a little bit, we worry because basically we want to worry. Now, you don't believe that, do you? You just don't believe that at all. But it's a fact. When you strip us all away of what we're involved in, and you've come down to the place where it really exists, you will understand that it's we worry because for some twisted reason we really want to worry. Now you can't be bold enough to come right out and say, well, now I want to be. Oh no, that's unprofessional. You don't do it that way. It's like when you got up this morning and you picked yourself all up so beautiful and you look so nice and so handsome and so sweet and all that sort of stuff and you didn't say to the entire family, my, don't I look pretty this morning? Now, you didn't do go about it that way. You know you do, but you don't come right out and say it, you see. Well, in this business of worrying, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to be settled about it, you see. Now, you can't, be, you can't come right out and say to yourself that, that this is the thing that you want to do. You've got to be sort of deceptive, you see. That's far too honest. You see, when you come to a place that you tell yourself that you really want to do it, well, things begin to happen you, to you then. You, that's far too honest. You've got to be deceptive. And you've got to tell yourself certain negative things, you see. And uh, tell yourself uh, certain things that, uh, about yourself. Now let me mention just two or three of them to you. First of all, you've got to tell yourself that you can't help the way that you feel. Have you ever said that to yourself? Well, you've not only said it to yourself, you said somebody else. I can't help the way that I feel. And so you just tell yourself again and again, I can't help the way that I feel. Well, now you're a pet bird, dog, cat, canary, or a pig may not be able to help the way that they feel. God did not give them a mind really to think with and to reason with. They are signed and sealed in relation to their feeling. But you are not a pet cat or dog. You're not a pig. You can never be one. The fact is that you have a mind. And it doesn't make any difference. You see, you have to ignore what all the learned people tell us today about our relationship between our mind and our body and our feelings. Now, you've got to ignore all of that. You've got, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they really haven't lived. They've only read the books. You know, they, they don't know what they're talking about. You've got to dismiss it all. You've got to dismiss the relationship between the mind and the body and the feeling. You can't really believe that your mind can take charge of your body and your spirit and your feelings, and eventually your feelings will follow what you think. Now, you can't believe that. You've got to mark that out, you see. And then you've got to say to yourself, well, the reason I worry is because of my childhood. 
Oh, I had a mother. She used to worry from sun up to sun down into the night, you know. Now, that uh, sort of explains the situation. And you using an excuse to go ahead and to worry yourself sick about anything you want to worry about. So you got to lay it on to your childhood, you see. Someone, someone caused me to do it. You know, I, they're the cause of it. I'm really not responsible. They are. Now, you got to take that attitude. Now, you can't help. you got to use this, this suggestion, too. You see, I can't help but worry because I'm serious about life. Now, you've got to connect worrying with being serious. You've got to put the two together. It doesn't make any difference whether they have any relationship or not to any sane person. But to really to be a pro at worrying, you've got to connect them together. And you've got to make people believe, well, I'm serious about life, so therefore I worry about life. You've got to get them hooked together. They don't go together, but you put them together anyway. You think, well, they're not thinking properly anyway. They don't care in a sense. And so I'll hook them together. So I'll tell myself, I'm serious about life, and so now I've got to worry about it some. Now, I'll tell you one's even better. <clears throat> Have you ever said this to anyone? Well, of course I'll worry about you. I love you. Oh, now that's a good one. Now you've connected worry with love. Now, I prove to you that I love you because I worry about you. And the more I worry about you and the sicker I become, the more I tell you that I love you. Now, it doesn't make any difference what the experts say and what the learned people say about this. You've got to keep these two connected together because you can get good knowledge out of it. You can get good knowledge. I love you, so I've got to worry about you some, you know. And you've got to keep those things hanging in there together. It's your fault. You see, what you're really saying is your fault that I worry. I'm not responsible for my worrying. You are. If you change your way of living, I wouldn't worry. You know, who's in charge around here? You in charge of my life? Well, you sit down with you. Stop. You can't think too deeply about it. If you do, you'll see the fallacy in it and change your way of living. And so to be a pro, you've got to overlook those situations. And then you, to be a really a pro, you've got to refuse to look at reality. Now, there's a clinker. I mean to tell you the first order. Here's one that you're just not going to believe. You see, because you, you think the reason why you worry, you're worrying about reality. But that's not so. It's not so. You thought all along, the reason you really worry, I'm worrying about the realities of life. But the truth of it is, here is something that I was taught in seminary from the sacred hallowed halls out here, some of the great minds of our day. I was taught that uh, what I'm going to tell you, that, uh, that uh, the mind will accept reality. Now, I didn't believe that too well either. But now I've got several years as a minister. And what they taught me out there, I found no variable from it. They were absolutely right. One of the most astounding, amazing things about us is, and about these minds of ours, the way God put us together, it just astounds me. I've been in the presence, I don't know how many people that were dying. They knew they were dying. And to watch them and to be with them 
knowing that they were dying and how they accepted. No fuss, maybe a little at one time, but they worked to it quickly and come to the place where they accept it completely and totally. I've been with people when they have, a, have had things to happen to them that were cruel and awful and hard and devastating. They couldn't do anything about it. And you know when it comes to the place where you face reality, you know that it's out of your hand, it's in the hand of God. The human mind will accept it and embrace it and hold it. And it will not do anything to their peace. It will deepen their peace and tranquility. Isn't that amazing? But now if you're going to be a pro of worrying, you can't believe that junk. You know, you can't believe that. It doesn't make any difference what Jesus said. You just can't believe it, you know. Because, you know, you worry about the reality of life. Well, the thing that you really worry about is a skin of reality. The skin of reality packed full of what ifs. It's always a what if, you see. What if, you know. It's always got to be a bad what if. can't be a good one. You know, what if I get my other leg broken before sundown? Mm, that'd be bad. I can't think of, well, what if someone, I wake up and find that I've got a million dollars, you know. It's got to be a bad what if. can't be a good one. You know, what if somebody takes me out and buys me a chicken dinner? You know, it's got to be a, can't be a good one. You can't think of a good what if. You've always got to concentrate on a bad what if. It's always got to be bad. What if a bad thing, a negative? It's always a negative. Well, if you what if the good, my goodness, <laughs> you, you would, uh, would take your degree away from you. You know, you, you can't do that. You can't, you can't have a good what if. It's got to always be a bad one. Now, folks, you think with me. There is only one moment in time <clears throat> that you can experience anything. And that's right now. You can't experience what happened yesterday. You can't experience what might happen to you tomorrow. But you're conscious right now. You can experience this. And it's the only moment that you have to experience it. And how much of your time that we have right now to experience wonderful, beautiful, great things that we waste on projecting ourselves on what if this happens to us. Now there's a second thing you need. If you're really going to graduate from this school and to be a professional at this business of worrying, you've got to play the part of God. <clears throat> now, you don't go around either. It's got to be subtle. You, see. you don't come right out and say, tell people, hey, look, I'm going to play the part of God now. You, that'd be unprofessional. You, know, you don't do that. That's an amateur to do, do it like that. You've got to do it in such a subtle way. You've got to do it in, in, in a way that is sort of camouflage the situation. You've got to tell people what you're doing, but you've got to tell them that you're doing it for another reason. You know? You're really not playing God, but... You're doing it for some other, some other reason. You have to take charge of other people's lives. You see, uh, they're too weak, they're too stupid, they're too dumb to know what's going on. And I have got to take charge of their life and tell them what needs to be done. You know, you got to feel something like the lady that married this man and she was criticized because her husband went around and looked, looked like he was unkept all the time and and sort of sloppy. And she defended herself when some of her friends said, he just looks terrible. 
She says, well, you should have seen him when the Lord only had him. She says, I have made some improvements, you know. And so that's the way you've got to feel about the situation, you see, that you can improve on the situation. And you must worry about these people because they haven't sense enough to know what's going on. And you see, you've got to worry about them because you know that the Lord doesn't know what they're doing and what they're up to and what they're into. And you've got to give him a hand. He, he desperately needs a hand at some place, you see. And you've got to accept the responsibility for him. And then the second thing you must do, you must think that the burden of life falls on you, that you are, your life is totally in your hand. Not the lives of other people, but your life is totally in your hand. The burden of life is upon you. No matter what Jesus said, no matter, I quickly counted up the times here as it's translated in this modern translation, there were six times that Jesus said not to worry. So don't worry. Six times. But you can't pay any attention to that. You can't pay any attention to the fact that the first message that was given to us about the resurrected Christ when he came back by the angels said to the group, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Everything's all right. But you can't believe that stuff. You can't believe what the angel said. You can't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and living today as much as he ever was or ever will be. You can't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is in charge. He's really not dead. Hmm. No matter what they say about food and clothing. You know, it's sort of a ridiculous situation when you stop to think about it. You know, I remember as a child, as a kid, a young boy. The only clothes that I had to wear was usually handed down about the fourth time. And it was always blue jeans. You know. And they were ventilated pretty well, too, time they got to me. And I was so sort of ashamed of them, really. Everybody else had other clothes to wear. And I was sort of ashamed of the situation. Couldn't afford anything but blue jeans. And, and they were used. And now I come to the day, and now I can't afford them. <laughs> and so I worry about that some, you know. Have you ever tried to go out and buy a pair lately? Well, I had to put up with them when I was a kid. Don't want to put up with them now. I don't know what price. But you see, worrying is like that. What does it mean? You see what Jesus tried to say? Can, look at the situation. Can you add a few more days to your life because you worry? Now you see, Jesus wasn't just talking about the mundane things of life. You've you, you got to understand that, that Jesus is using this as an illustration. And in effect, he is saying that if God is concerned about what you eat today and about what you wear, don't you think God is more aware and more concerned about the greater things of life? You're conscious this moment, of this moment. You're conscious of the fact that you are. You can touch and feel yourself. You are. You're a being. You're here. You're real. You're conscious of it. And you're conscious of the fact that Jesus is conscious of you. That you have a Savior and you have a Lord. Now listen to this in closing. 
Look what he's really saying to us. I remember on one occasion Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I sort of told you. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you might be also. Now look at that fantastic statement. The past, the present, and the future is in the hands of Christ. Heaven is in the hands of Christ. The earth is in the hands of Christ. I am in the hands of Christ. It depends upon him and what he has done and what he is doing. Jesus is in charge of life. He's in charge of death. He's in charge of the resurrection. He's in charge of everything. Your present, your future is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, dear friends, you know that that is an absolute fact. And I want to ask you, could you be in the hand of one better? Can you be in the hand of one any better? Not upon this earth, nor in the one to come. Because you see, dear friends, Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for you and I to live this moment and to enjoy it from the top of our head to the bottom of our soul with every cell of our body. And I want to tell you something. If you really believe what I've read to you this morning and only half of what I've said to you this morning, let your soul be free. Then live and trust him to bring you precisely to the place in his own good time where he wants you to be. Knowing full well that the day will surely come when he, as he said, will come for you and you will stand with your blessed Lord. My, isn't it a wonderful day? Oh, our Father, help us that we might see the simplicity of your statement and also how profound it really is and help us to trust it we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 